Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here from Hawks Insiders. Welcome back. Another one of our AGM specials in the lead up to the very important Hawthorne election, which well, I think voting opens in the next few days. So it's uh, almost on it with us now. We're talking to the candidates and uh, Maria Louis joins us today to have a chat about all things brown and gold. First, my co-hosts are here as always. Andrew Weiss, hello. G'day, Ash. Excited to have a chat with Maria and find out more about her and her background uh, and, yeah, her nomination for the board. Daddy Prince, hello. Ash, good to be with you again. And, uh, yeah, nice to be able to get through and under get a better understanding of all these candidates. And really excited to have a chat to Maria today. Yeah, we're getting really good feedback from, from a lot of our people and a broader Hawthorne community as well about with the, with the podcast we're doing. They feel that they're going to have be making much more informed decisions ahead of this very important election. So let's welcome Maria. Hello and thank, welcome. Thank you very much. Started. Thank you very much, Ash, Darren, and uh, Daniel and Andrew. As I said before, I, I know you've given us a, a great opportunity to reach out to our members and supporters. So thank you very much for allowing us to use your platform. It's our pleasure. Now, as, as I said, we start with the Hawthorne journey, and I'm sure a lot of people would be really intrigued to know how you got to be a Hawthorne supporter, and as we'll touch on shortly, already, already involved with the footy club. Yes. Um, well, Australian football wasn't a game that I grew up with, unlike all your other candidates. Um, I used to watch the English Premier League with my father. So when I came to Australia and started watching AFL on TV, it was really very foreign to me. Well, then I met my now husband, Gary, who was and still is a very passionate Hawthorne supporter. Now, he was very smart and he bought me a membership straight away. I think he just wanted someone to go along to the games with. So I must say, I really fell in love with the game and became my passion with the Hawks began from the very first game I attended. And I can still remember the first game. It was uh, what was called the Foster's Cup back in 1992. Um, and I think it was the night grand final against Fitzroy. I think it helped that we won by 10 goals or more. And our first game of the proper season was against Shillong. And again, geez, we won. And if you remember, I think Dancer kicked 12 goals. I mean, in those days, kicking lots of goals seems to be quite normal, unlike today. So that was in 1992. And early this year, I received my 30-year loyalty certificate from the club. So that's um, that's how my journey um, to to being a mad, you know. I think I really knew I was the mad um, Aussie Rules and Hawks supporter because when Dermy came back from, uh, he had a comeback game. I think late in 1992 season, my husband was down with chickenpox, and I thought, what the heck? I'll just drag my sister along to Waverly Park, now Banyu Bagaro. And honestly, I can't remember much about the game, but what I could remember was I couldn't find a car at the end of the game. And we had to wait in the car park until all most of the cars had gone. It was, it was quite uh, embarrassing. Those were days without your GPS on your iPhone. Um, so, you know, the Hawks have given me a lot of joy and, and you know, some lows thrown in. We, uh, we go to Box Hill as, 
as well. I mean, we used to sit on the steps with our two dogs. They had the scarves on. Actually, my dogs got on TV. Not me, but my dogs did. Um, and, you know, of course, now um, it's one of my twin daughters. And how lucky are they to grow up in a generation where they, women's footy is part of our game. Well, losing your car at Waverley was a rite of passage for any <laughs> Hawthorne supporter of a certain vintage. Uh, oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one. It. We've all been stuck in the traffic <laughs> waiting for that green arrow, you know, that uh, one, once every three minutes for five seconds. Yeah. So all that. Who's your fa- Who's been your favourite player? The players you've um, loved watching in those 30 years? Well, my first favourite player was Chris Langford. I mean, he looked like Superman to me. And who, who could forget that merger game, right, in 1996, when he reminded how much the jumper meant to him. He showed, he really showed us how much the jumper meant to him. And he reminded all of us supporters about what we needed to do to keep that jumper. And I remember being at the Civic Hall. We couldn't get a seat inside. You know, we were outside listening on the loudspeakers. So, I mean, who could forget that? And oh, I suppose later on. Yeah, later on it was um, Jonathan and Trent Kurt, who were really our bookends, you know, at the um, maybe the late 1990s. And more recently, I suppose it's Sean Burgoyne and, and Luke Hodge, um, who are my favorites. And of course, I'm, you know, sort of building a long list of um, FLW players as well, starting with our captain, uh, Tilly Lucas Broad. Um, and, you know, if you watch, um, Fleming, she she's a star in the making. Uh, Justin Fleming, and um, I must say we have a soft spot for Charlotte Baskerin and and also Annie McDonald because my my daughter's actually presented jumpers to them before the season started. So um, we were very excited when we went to the first game at Marvel Stadium. Tell us what you do professionally. That what yeah, I had a look at your CV. Sort of, I think I looked on LinkedIn. <laughs> first time when I first saw you running for the board as everyone does you go to LinkedIn to find out what's going on but it's a very impressive list of of what you're doing uh, professionally and then we'll come back to sort of how that's married up to football. Sure um, so I um, well, the bulk of my career was in as a partner in a large professional firm I'm sure you you know I was a partner there for uh, 18 years so that's a long time it, it, it um, shows my age um, and then I joined uh, a multifamily office. And I, what I do now is I advise families um, on really all, all sorts of matter that's um, necessary for any, anything from succession planning to uh, tax to legal um, to really anything, you know, that, that a family needs. Um, and philanthropy is, is one of the big things that we do uh, with our clients. Are you big on governance? Because that's uh, one of the, oh, the, the talking points I'm, at the moment. The yeah, I'm very big on governance because besides my 30-odd year professional in the legal and financial space, I was also um, a board director of a very large um, not-for-profit. Um, you know, the, the revenue was over $250 million. So during that night, I had a maximum of nine years term on the board. And during that term, I was the deputy chair. I was the chair of the finance audit committee, and I was a member of the governance and risk committee as well. So governance is, I'm, I'm very big on governance um, because I think that's the foundation of any good board. And look, 
I, I know there's been a lot of comments. I, I can't, I can't really comment because I haven't been part of the board. Uh, but what I can say is the, the process I went through in terms of how I got here in the nominations process. Um, so, you know, when, when I decided to throw my head in the ring, I went through the nominations committee, which is chaired by Insilk. And um, I was interviewed along with other candidates who had um, nominated. And at the end of the process, I was lucky enough to uh, Ian frame me and say, I'm the preferred candidate to go forward. So, you know, I can assure you from a governor's perspective, or, you know, I can show our members and supporters that from a governor's perspective, all the boxes would tick. So that, that's my experience from, from a governance with the nominations committee. And, and, and I know that's just one experience. Well, it sounds like because you worked with the nominations committee, you were able to tick all, as you said, tick all the boxes. I mean, one, one of the criticisms that a couple of people have had uh, that are standing as well is that they weren't, there hasn't been enough transparency. They didn't know um, what the deadlines were and how to nominate and almost discovered by accident. And also Andy Gower says openly he was in Paris and didn't know about it and he had 18 hours to nominate. So clearly, I mean, obviously you've been through that process, but not everybody uh, was able to send have access to the same information. Yeah, I, I guess, um, I guess with my legal background, the, the first thing before I nominated, well, actually I went on the website and looked for the constitution. And then I, I then after I read the constitution, I then rang Nick Holland, who is the general counsel um, company secretary, and said, Nick, I've seen the constitution on the website. Is this the latest one or is there another? And, and he confirmed that's the latest one. So I, I suppose, yes, I, I do think it's um, fair criticism that maybe it wasn't as apparent where to find the information unless you go looking for it. Before we get on to the issues facing the club, um, how did you get on to, you, you've been involved in the foundation and yes. with Dingley, how, how did that come about? Yeah. How did you be So I, I have been over the years sort of uh, assisted the club in, in a lot of not-for-profit matters because that's, that's my, one of my specialty as well. I work a lot in the not-for-profit sector and in my work, I used to work with a lot of the professional sporting clubs, anywhere from cricket to AFL to tennis, um, and so forth, and then in nineteen, and then in two thousand sixteen, um, I was invited by the club to join to serve on the board of the Hawthorne Football Club Foundation. So that was my first formal role with them, and then I helped them set up a, a separate Hawks Community Foundation in two thousand nineteen. I've been the chair of that foundation for the last two years. So that that's how the board. Um, knows me and that's how I'm known to um, I must say Richard Garvey the past president was one of the people who encouraged me um, to apply for the for the vacant position because he, he thought I had the skills that the board required and also he had he had known about my work with the club I had a I had a track record I guess one of the things Maria and we're really excited to chat to you it's great to hear your your backstory both professionally and from a footballing um, point of view. Um, we've, we've had a few of these chats and, um, and to different uh, candidates. And one of the questions we, we tend to want to understand better, and I think our fans want to understand better, um, is 
from your personal life, from your business experience, what are your a your your real skill sets that you're going to bring to the board, and how that'll contribute to the overall board success if you're if you're elected, but also um, where your passions lie and what changes you would like to see the board help to implement that are going to I guess benefit the club and also benefit its members. Thanks for the question, Daniel. Um, I think firstly, as I said, I, I, my skill sets are what the board required to, to really, my passion, I'm, I'm committed to the club, I'm passionate about the club, and I want to make the club better and stronger. Um, so, you know, what are the issues I'm looking at in terms of where my skill sets fit? I think it's the skill set that's required, not only from financial and, um, you know, sort of legal background, but in terms of my experience as a as a board member from a governance from a strategic perspective and also I, I think I'm I'm sort of person I, I don't go in anything half baked so I would always give 110% of my effort and, and I'm not afraid to ask the tough questions. And and I think that's important when you're bored. And I think I bring the diversity of thinking uh, that a board needs. Um, not not because I'm uh, a, a woman, but because of my background and so forth, there, there is a need for, um, you know, sort of different thinking and different challenges. You, you know, you, you always listen to other people's view openly with an open mind, but you, you should not also be, a, as a board member, you should also be able to challenge respectfully, I think. Um, and, and I think it's very important um, at this juncture of the club, I mean, we have a lot of challenges. Um, you know, I think financial stability is one. No, I'm really pleased that the club is financially strong enough to get up with pokies. But we've got to re replace that revenue somehow. And in, I think inevitable, the, the Tasmanian government sponsorship, you know, we have to replace that as well. So that's a lot of financial challenges and I certainly don't want to go back to the dark old days, you know, when we're struggling. And I, I know that Peter talked about a future fund and I'm all for that. Um, you know, I think it's, it's really good to, to have a plan to secure the future of our, of our club. Um, I think, you know, we have a big challenge with Dingley. How do we build our Kennedy Community Centre? You know, cost is going up, construction, as we know, it's, it's, it's problematic at the moment. Um, and what about the outcome of the cultural safety review, whatever the outcome might be? So I, I thought a lot about this and I said there are so many challenges and, and I had to think carefully whether I wanted to go proceed with my nomination. And in the end, I decided that I would because I want to be in the room. I want to be part of the solution I, rather than standing on the sidelines and feeling really helpless. And and, and I also just, just on that culture safety, I think, you know, uh, culture is very important. And, and I know that, you know, the, um, I'm sure it's, uh, it's, it's an area of focus for the board, but I want to make sure that it, it remains a priority. It remains something that we focus, because I truly believe a strong culture, a positive culture, is what can attract and retain not just players but good staff as well. So I really am keen to make sure that culture stays on top of the priority. And and in my um, in my work history for the last fifteen years, I've had um, leadership 
arose in terms of championing inclusion and diversity. It, it is my DNA. So I will I want to make sure that it is it remains top of the list for, for us. Um, and yeah. and you know being being on the board of the um, host community funds, I've seen firsthand what what wonderful things we can do. You know, uh, we have a really hardworking and committed team in the community space that's led by Carrie Brew and our head of community, Adam Mode, and they do incredible things. I'm I'm not sure whether you were at the Pretty Crimin's night last last month. No. no. If, yeah. If if you were, you would have heard um, Sam Frost and Dylan Moore. Um, they got up and spoke about the community programs that they have been involved with during the year and. You can hear about their genuine commitment. And I was so proud, Chair. I was immensely proud to hear them talk about the dedication. And I want to embed that community spirit, you know, as part of the fabric of a club. I think, you know, that that is what being a family club means, you know, our engagement of our members and our community. And and I can talk forever about community if you let me, but you know, that there, there's many wonderful programs that I I, I would urge our members to go on the website and look look for them. There's some incredible stories. Well, Maria, I do want to continue on this theme actually, and and you've covered quite a bit that I think we're going to come back and forth on. But because we're talking about the community foundation and your role as the chair, it's clear there's a lot of stuff we do really well at the moment: the social inclusion programs, um, the mental health programs. Um, female participation, all of that sort of stuff. But the Community Foundation has a lot to do with um, the Indigenous culture side of things. So um, I want to ask you, in, in your role as the chair um, and working through a whole number of current programs through the foundation with um, the Indigenous community and Indigenous culture, how difficult is bringing that aspect to the club in your role on the board and marrying that into all of the issues we've got at the moment with the review and and um, the processes that are taking place over everything that's happened and come to light from the last 10 to 15 years? Yeah, Andrew, that's a that's really question. That's a really good question because as you hit the nail uh, on the head, it is a very sensitive um, time for us in terms of what we're trying to do. And that our, we, we have four pillars in, in our community uh, foundation, and that is First Nations, um, there is the youth engagement, the mental health and social inclusion. And the First Nations is where, you know, we, we have focused a lot of our effort in um, be, because we haven't done enough in the past. Um, you know, uh, in in we we work in the Northern Territory. We work with schools there, and we have a program that um, that encourages young young people to actually attend school at least eighty percent of the time. And in the last twelve months, we've actually increased the engagement, the eighty percent attendance target. Those those students who've met the eighty percent target by twenty seven percent. So our program works. And we've also been, you know, I mean, COVID has put a stop in terms of community engagement. We we do a lot of things in Catherine, and we are really excited to be able to start it again. But I must, Andrew, as you've asked the question, we we do 
we are very sensitive about how our presence would be would be welcome in those community as well at the moment uh, because of 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 the cultural review that's got a lot of publicity whether you know whatever the outcome is so we are highly sensitive of how we engage with our first nations community and we take advice um, from our indigenous you know um, development and and also our players in terms of how we would do that uh, we we want to increase that you know that, uh, one of the things i will push for um, if i do get elected onto the board is to increase the resources that the club will bring to the committee because at the moment you know we, we are a small foundation still you know we, we we're just three years old so we do need a lot of resources and we want a cl club to really provide us and lead that, lead that sort of um, conversation around the cultural piece. It, it's not just the job of the foundation, it is a big, much bigger piece. So I really want to make sure that, that's why I talk about embedding it into the fabric of our club, because it is not something that sits aside of, that the foundation does. It has to be part of a club. I mean, you know, I think I'll um, I'll go back to Dylan Moore. I'm not sure whether you know that Dylan Moore was one of the finalists in the Jim Steins Community Leadership Award. Now the Jim Steins Community, I mean, the, the good thing was, you know, if you were there the pre criminals night, he was up on stage so many times. It, it just shows that his commitment to community engagement didn't really impact on his, you know, on field. He, he, he could do both. Um, what I wanted to say was the Jim Steins Community Leadership Award was set up in 2012. And in that 10 years, in the history of 10 years, not a single Hawthorne player had been nominated until this very year. So that's why I'm so proud of, of, of Dylan and what he has been doing, because for the first time we have a finalist. And it shows that our players are genuinely dedicated to their engagement. In fact, it was their idea to speak about um, the community foundation at the predicaments. It wasn't my idea. They came to the board, they attend the board meetings and they came and, and say, this is what we like to do. We say, go for it. Andrew Gowers says that he'd like to see a general manager of Indigenous, Indigenous Affairs general manager at the football club. You talk about that increase in resources. Is that something, is that the sort of role you envisage? Uh, putting some more resource into absolutely i i think we we should we should have someone on a full-time permanent scale um to to really you know uh, focus on that issue it's not it's not a it's non-negotiable i think we, we need to have the resource and 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 uh we need we need a lot of support and 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 also for i think the club to be um to have a voice because it, it is, I know, um, you know, we talk about the cultural safety at the moment and, and the report, I haven't, I haven't read the Egan report. What I know is just from the media. I know that they say the cultural safety is fine at the moment, but I think um, I very much want to make sure that, you know, we, we, we don't just say where everything is okay. I think we've got to keep making sure that we keep improving and getting better. This is an area that must be continuous improvement. What else do you see as the concerns at the club? What else is troubling you enough to feel that you want to 
run for the board and, and try and make a difference. Yeah, I, I'm running for the board, not because I, I think, you know, that there are lots of things that's wrong with it. I, I'm running for the board because I think well, there's a skill set the board needs and they've actually sought the skill sets to fill, to fill a gap. So I want to fill the gap because I think I can bring those skills that will make the club better. I would then want to make sure that we focus on those important that I mentioned in terms of financial stability, getting Kennedy uh, Community Centre up and running, um, getting the culture on top of the top of the priority of the board's agenda, and embedding a community. That that's the positive part I want to bring to the club. I think as when I you know if I'm lucky enough to be elected by the members, then I will see sitting in the boardroom what it is that needs to be improved, what it is that needs to be fixed, if any. I I I I guess only I, I like to work with data and I like to work with facts. Um, Maria, just in terms of obviously you've mentioned Dingley uh, and and it's a, a massive project and probably goes hand in hand with the first item you mentioned around financial stability. Um, in the last week or couple of weeks, I guess we've we've learned that. Um, the goings really slow from a progress point of view and a, a timing point of view. Um, certainly Andy Gowers has been outspoken around um, Jeff and finances committed from government to be able to get the project completed and the shortfall. Um, what expertise do you add to the board in terms of assisting to get the Dingley project over the line and what are the you know what are the immediate concerns and things that need to be addressed? Um, I, I think we all agree that it's going to be a brilliant facility once it's completed, but there's a bit of consternation at the moment around now how much longer it's going to take and where's the money going to come from. Um, thanks, Andrew. I think there are many parts um, that that many skill sets that you bring together in order to bring this project you know, to fruition. I think it's not through the lack of uh, the delay, I think has got a lot to do with COVID and a lot to do with the challenges that the construction industry is facing. And also there is the funding, funding issue as well. So as when I was part, I am still part of the um, Horson Football Club Foundation and one of its roles is really to fundraise for because you know this this project only has so much funding from government and and as everyone know we are still waiting for the fund that's been committed and we actually have to work very hard to go out to our members to our supporters and actually ask for funding and you know in before COVID, we were doing quite well because every every meeting we look at the target of the financial um, targets we have and how we're tracking. And of course, you know, we all know Jeff Harris very generously um, seeded that, that sort of funding with the, with the 10 million donation. And we've been building up the donation going out to, I mean, the team works incredibly hard, you know, in terms of meeting with supporters and donors to try to get the funding. And because of COVID, um, it's, it's been very hard to, so it has slowed down that the, the funding 
the raising of the funds. And what skills I bring, I think I have the financial skills to, to look through to make sure that this is, you know, we, we obviously don't want this to break the bank. We, we got to make sure we've got financial responsibility as well. And as you know, if you build a home, you want everything, right, to be there. And then when you realize that the budget's not going to cater for it, you then have to um, compromise. But I hope we don't have to compromise too much. I hope that we will have, we, I mean, the, the, the idea is to have an incredible facility that we all can be proud of and that will give a first class, you know, facility to our players because, you know, really at the end of the day, you know, winning premiership is what we're about. So we do need to equip our players with the best facility there. And I think the board has recruited in the past specific board members with expertise, whether in construction and, and so forth. Like I, I think Luke Subbalit was on the board for his uh, construction expertise for Dingley. And Tim uh, Shera is there for funding. Um, and, and of course, I think um, Tim Sower, before he left, was the, the CFO in charge of the finance there. So I, I like to think that I can contribute by making sure that we're financially responsible. Maria, what sort of president has Jeff Kennett been for the football club? Um, Jeff is uh, one of a kind, I think. I think he has done a lot of good for the club, uh, certainly in his initial first term. And, um, you know, Jeff is incredibly uh, experienced in politics and in life and all sorts. I think um, it would be fair to say, I think that perhaps uh, it, it, it's a bit unfortunate that uh, we didn't have a ready successor um, because um, Jeff did say, you know, perhaps uh, beyond the term that he actually recommended in the first place for president. I, I think, um, I, I, you know, I believe in Peter when he says he will be a different president with a different style. Is that endorsement of Peter over Andy to be the next president? Do you, are, you, are you coming down, are you prepared to publicly back one over the other? I, I, Andy I, I know Peter because of my involvement with the board and I know I'm very confident that Peter it's, uh, has horsebound truly at heart and he, um, he would do the very best for the club, even if that means, you know, if he, if he doesn't get elected, he would still be a horsebound person. And, um, and it's a question as whether I think, I, I spoke to Andy Gauss for the first time today. And, you know, uh, while I don't know Andy, I mean, from what I hear, he's truly a Hawthorne man as well. And he will also do the very best that he can. And he's standing also for the right um, reasons in his mind. So I think it's really up to the members to, to listen to both sides. And to think about what skills they each bring to the table and who is the best person to kind of lead the club going forward. Absolutely. Um, one of the things, Maria, that we've asked um, everybody that we've interviewed um, is the focus around members and connection of the club to its its membership base. Now, you've touched on a lot of the work that you've done in the communities and, and different um, things like that, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on the, uh, the 
perceived disconnect from, that a lot of Hawthorne members currently feel to the club and how you would go about trying to reconnect the club to its members in a more real and sort of active way? I, th- I think it's, it's, um, it's an issue for um, a lot of people, not just um, our club, in, in terms of what COVID has done. I mean, I face the same problem at, at work in terms of how we connect and engage with our clients. Um, you know, you, you can do so much, you know, through webinars, through uh, Zoom course and so forth. But there's, there's very hard to replace a face-to-face interaction. And, and I think we have suffered because of that. Um, so I, I, I truly think that we can do a lot more in terms of engaging with that. I mean, you know, we, we, we sort of lost those days where we have family uh, gatherings that... Um, Glenfrey over. I mean, I live very close to Glenfrey, so I'm always happy to have events there. Um, and of course, you know, we Banyo Bagger Road. I mean, there's there's so so much space there in 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 Waverley that we could use as well. So I I would like to see more face to face events, and also I know there are so many uh, different um, sort of membership uh, groups and so forth. I think there needs to be more engagement and maybe get, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't want to be one where, where you have lots of, uh, you know, working groups and all that so forth. Um, but it would be good to to kind of hear from a long-term supporters and get their ideas. I mean, I'm not afraid to ask for ideas. I think uh, we shouldn't think we have all the answers. I mean, we're trying to engage with our, um, you know, with, with our members. So who, who, who but best to ask our members? I mean, we, I say that at work, I say, when you want client engagement, you know, don't think you know the answers. Ask the clients what they want. So I say, ask the members. Maria, um, I've got a question for you around diversity. Uh, Obviously, one of three females going for a position on the board, um, and we could end up with a few, or, or we could end up with one. So being the nature of, um, I guess, democracy at work, how important do you think it is from a diversity point of view that we have um, adequate representation of female leadership on the board? Um, and how, how important is that as part of, um, I guess, one of the reasons and, and one of the attributes you have to offer on being on the board of the Hawthorne Football Club? I, I think diversity is crucial. As, as I mentioned, I, I have uh, leadership positions in my workplace for the last 15 years, championing uh, inclusion diversity. And I can give you lots of stats about, it's been proven, the research shows that boards with diversity and with gender, gender balance to some extent, I'm not talking about 50-50, uh, will definitely bring about better result. And that's been proven by myriads of research out there. And certainly not because it's just a gender balance, but it's just because you think differently, that you're bringing that diversity of thought. It's not just because you, well, part of it is because you, you're a woman, but because you were brought up different ways and we have a different experience in life, that the diversity of thinking so that you don't have you know, a group thinking where everyone thinks alike. That, that, that is what brings the good ideas, the innovation, 
and and that's been researched that proven you need a diversity um, in in order to improve performance really and i assume you would also um apply that to from a cultural background point of view not just from a gender standpoint a absolutely that's what i say it's, it's all our background you know the uh, what we've lived through, our own experience. I mean, even even you know, you, you you're talking about two males. I mean, two males will have different experience in different backgrounds. But it's 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 the same thing about you know where you come from and how you actually what how you experience. Because my experience would be very different from yours. And sometimes I say until you walk in someone's shoes, you can never truly understand. You know, for uh, something from their own, from their perspective. Maria, this has been wonderful chatting to you, and you've pretty much answered all the, the questions we have. But we ask everyone to finish with their thirty-second stump speech. Just give us a thirty-second spiel as to why members uh, should uh, put you on their ballot for, in the forthcoming election. Thanks, Ash. Um, firstly, I want to contribute my skills and experience to make the club better and stronger and and i as i say i i think i have the right skills experience that what requires legal risk management governance finance diversity of thinking secondly i want to have a positive inclusive culture to track and retain the right the good staff and the good players um you know want to be back to destination club again and i championing inclusion diversity is in my dna so i want to make sure that culture remains a focus and to manage the priority. And lastly, I want to increase our member and community engagement so that we can proud, be proud of our club. Of, of, we want to be known not just for on-field success, but really our off-field ethos around community. And, you know, so, so I, I want to be us to be happy to belong to the family club again. Do you, think, do you think Hawthorne is still the family club or do, we've asked this question a few people or, or do you think recent events mean it may just be parked to the side for a bit? Uh, I, do, I still think we're the family club. I think there are many aspects of family club. Yes, we might not be doing certain things well, but overall, I, I very much believe that we're still the family club. Terrific. We're going to leave that there. Maria, thank you so much for joining us on the Hawks Insiders podcast. Uh, we didn't know much about you before, but I think I can say on behalf of uh, my colleagues here, but everyone who's listening, it's, a, it's been a very a super impressive pitch and it'd be, it'd be a very wonderful and worthy acquisition to the board. So we wish you nothing but the best for the next, uh, for the next few weeks and good luck with everything. Thank you very much. Thank you again for having me on your podcast. That was Maria Louis, who is uh, standing for Hawthorne board at, the election that is coming up in the next few weeks. That's been the Hawks Insiders podcast AGM special for this time around. Don't forget Thursday night, November 17, Cal Toomey, the draft guru from AFL Media, will be walking through the draft step-by-step step with us. Who are we going to take in the first pit round? Who are we going to take in the second round? Does he know more than Danny Prince? That we're going to establish as well. That's going to be very interesting. Uh, so, well, we're getting yes and a no from my colleagues here. We'll find that out. Um, don't forget to keep su supporting Hawks Insiders, uh, $50 a year, $5 a month for the best Hawthorne online content there is. We have uh, we have Katie Hudson coming up as well and Anne-Marie Pulitzer coming up and Richie Vandenberg is going to make an appearance with us as well before too long. 
talk about all the things happening at the club. So it's a very busy time. Boys, uh, before we go, uh, Maria, she was very impressive. Yeah, incredibly impressive. I think she had all all her bases covered and uh, answered the questions really, really well. I'm I'm uh, I'm excited for the potential of having uh, having Maria on the board. I think um, I think the inclusion and community focus that she has in what she does and how she does things would be a, a great asset to have uh, through the leadership of our club um, because it touches on a wide range of of some of the issues that we're going through at the moment. So couple that with her financial and legal acumen as she, uh, as she talked about, I think, uh, yeah, we could, we could do a lot worse than having uh, somebody like Maria on, on the board uh, come 2023. Yeah. And I think her role chairing the community foundation for anyone who hasn't gone online to have a look at what the community foundation actually does for the club with all of its programs, it's actually, absolutely incredible um and and so that experience i think would be enormous um especially in the indigenous space given everything that we're going through at the moment um all, all i was thinking the whole time ash i think you you started at the start of these um when we were speaking to ed and we're blessed with candidates. I think as we do the last couple of candidate interviews as well, we're absolutely blessed. And it's really wonderful to know that whoever gets in, we're going to have some quality, quality people on our board. Um, and hopefully those who don't are still connected in the club to um, pass on their, their experience um, and their expertise in other ways. But yeah, yeah, really, really wonderful chat. Yeah, I've spoken briefly to both Katie and Marie ahead of coming on the podcast, and they're, they're also they're also impressive. So the club's in a very fortunate position. But if there is to be, if there is a mood, and we're we're being a bit neutral here, but if um, if there is a mood out there to, for major changes and, and to vote the three non-board members onto the board. Um, and then you add Ian Silk from sort of last year. It's a fairly uh, sweeping change within 12 months to, to, to the board of the footy club, but they're all uh, very capable, competent people. So the club might be... The, the, people shouldn't fear the change because of the calibre of the people who are standing. So if, if you are in... If you're worried, if you want change, uh, if you want to see change at board level, you're worried about the calibre of the people who be the new board members. Don't worry too much about them. They're, they're, they're the super impressive people, as we said. So that's been the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll have more AGM specials coming up uh, before too long. And also, don't forget Thursday night with Cal Toomey. Thanks, Danny. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Ash. We'll, thank you, everyone, for your support of Hawks Insiders. We're rocketing up the, the podcast charts at the moment. There's a lot of Hawthorne supporters out there taking on board what we are providing. And we thank everyone for their support. We'll talk to you again very soon on Hawks Insiders. Thanks and goodbye.